thank you for tuning in to Songs of Praise from 3ABN Australia Radio. We trust you'll enjoy this musical selection to bring you peace, comfort and hope. I'll bet that crown hurts him more than 
officials Daddy, please Can't you do something? He looks as though he's gonna cry You said he was stronger Than all of those guys Daddy, please tell me why Why does everyone want him to die? And later that day The sky grew cloudy Daddy said I should go inside Somehow he knew things would get stormy And boy was he right But I could not keep from wondering If there was something he had to hide So after he left I to find out I was not afraid of getting lost so I followed the crowds to a hill where I knew men had been killed and I heard a voice come from the cross and it said Past their unmerciful eyes 
and a peace that endureth thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow blessing Songs of Praise endeavours to draw your heart, mind and soul to a close relationship with your Saviour, Jesus Christ. everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God, and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment is come, and worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters.
as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, 
and the rich men, and the chief captains and the mighty men, and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last.
If you're enjoying this music, encourage your friends to listen to this program each week.
glows with thy fire
Standing on this mountain top, looking just how far we've come, knowing that for every step you were with us. Kneeling on this battleground, seeing just how much you've done, knowing every victory was your power in us. Scars and struggles on the Invite your family and friends to also enjoy songs of praise. The spacious firmament. 
went on high with all the blue ethereal sky and spangled tents a shining frame the great original proclaim unwearied sun from day to day does his creator's power display and publishes to every land the work of that almighty hand soon as the evening shades prevail the moon takes up the wondrous tale and nightly to the listening earth repeats the story of her birth while all the stars that round her burn and all the planets in their turn confirm the tidings as they roll and spread the truth from pole to pole what though in solemn silence all who round this dark terrestrial ball what though no real voice nor sound amid the radiant orbs be found in reasons here they all rejoice and utter forth a glorious voice forever singing as they shine the hand that made us is divine complete in thee no work of mine could take dear lord the place of thine thy blood hath pardoned bought for me and i shall stand complete in thee yea justified o blessed thought and sanctified salvation wrought thy blood hath pardoned bought for me and glorified i too shall be complete in thee each want supplied and no good thing to me denied since thou my portion lord will be i ask no more complete in thee yea justified o blessed thought and sanctified salvation wrought thy blood hath pardoned bought for me and glorified i too shall be complete in thee no more shall sin thy grace has conquered reign within thy blood shall be the tempter flee and i shall stand complete in thee yea just yea, justified o blessed blessed and sanctified salvation wrought thy blood hath pardoned bought for me and glorified i too shall be dear savior when before thy bar all tribes and tongues assembled are among the chosen i shall be at thy right hand 
complete in Thee. Yea, justified, O blessed thought, and sanctified salvation wrought. Thy blood hath pardoned, bought for me, and glorified I too shall be. Thy blood hath pardoned, bought for me, and glorified I too shall be.
3ABN Australia Radio are delighted to share songs of praise with you. We look forward to your company next time. Welcome to 3ABN Australia Radio's book reading program. The book Christ's Object Lessons, written by Ellen White, presents the parables of Jesus in a fresh light, showing their application to Christian living today. In this devotional classic, Ellen White explores the depths of the best-loved teachings of Jesus, offering a deeply spiritual understanding of the parables of Christ as they apply to our lives today. You'll enjoy the practical applications in a way that touches your heart. Listen now as Clive Nash reads. Continuing the chapter, A Great Gulf Fixed. They are no more righteous in God's sight than is the veriest sinner, the soul that longs after the excitement of worldly pleasure, the mind that is full of love for display, cannot serve God. Like the rich man in the parable, such a one has no inclination to war against the lust of the flesh. He longs to indulge appetite. He chooses the atmosphere of sin. He is suddenly snatched away by death, and he goes down to the grave with the character formed during his lifetime in co-partnership with satanic agencies. In the grave, he has no power to choose anything, be it good or evil. For in the day when a man dies, his thoughts perish. Psalm 146 verse 4 and Ecclesiastes 9 verses 5 and 6. When the voice of God awakes the dead, he will come from the grave with the same appetites and passions the same likes and dislikes that he cherished when living. God works no miracle to recreate a man who would not be recreated when he was granted every opportunity and provided with every facility. During his lifetime, he took no delight in God nor found pleasure in his service. His character is not in harmony with God and he could not be happy in the heavenly family. Today, there is a class in our world who are self-righteous, They are not gluttons, they are not drunkards, they are not infidels. But they desire to live for themselves, not for God. He is not in their thoughts, therefore they are classed with unbelievers. Were it possible for them to enter the gates of the city of God, they could have no right to the tree of life. For when God's commandments were laid before them with all their binding claims, they said, No, they have not served God here. Therefore, they would not serve him hereafter. They could not live in his presence, and they would feel that any place was preferable to heaven. To learn of Christ means to receive his grace, which is his character. 
But those who do not appreciate and utilize the precious opportunities and sacred influences granted them on earth are not fitted to take part in the pure devotion of heaven. Their characters are not molded according to the divine similitude. By their own neglect, they have formed a chasm which nothing can bridge. Between them and the righteous, there is a great gulf fixed. Saying and Doing This chapter is based on Matthew 21, verses 23 to 32. A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. And he came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whether of them twain did the will of his father? They say unto him, The first. In the Sermon on the Mount, Christ said, Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Matthew 7, verse 21. The test of sincerity is not in words, but in deeds. Christ does not say to any man, What say ye more than others, but what do ye more than others? Matthew 5, verse 47. Full of meaning are his words, If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. John 13, verse 17. Words are of no value unless they are accompanied with appropriate deeds. This is the lesson taught in the parable of the two sons. This parable was spoken at Christ's last visit to Jerusalem before his death. He had driven out the buyers and sellers from the temple. His voice had spoken to their hearts with the power of God. Amazed and terrified, they had obeyed his command without excuse or resistance. When their terror was abated, the priests and elders returning to the temple had found Christ healing the sick and the dying. They had heard the voice of rejoicing and the song of praise. In the temple itself, the children who had been restored to health were waving palm branches and singing hosannas to the son of David. Baby voices were lisping the praises of the mighty healer. Yet with the priests and elders, all this did not suffice to overcome their prejudice and jealousy. The next day, as Christ was teaching in the temple, the chief priests and elders of the people came to him and said, By what authority doest thou these things? And who gave thee this authority? The priests and elders had had unmistakable evidence of Christ's power. In his cleansing of the temple, they had seen heaven's authority flashing from his face. They could not resist the power by which he spoke. Again, in his wonderful deeds of healing, he had answered their question. He had given evidence of his authority which could not be controverted. But it was not evidence that was wanted. The priests and elders were anxious for Jesus to proclaim himself the Messiah, that they might misapply his words and stir up the people against him. They wished to destroy his influence and to put him to death. Jesus knew that if they could not recognize God in him or see in his works the evidence of his divine character, they would not believe his own testimony that he was the Christ. In his answer, he evades the issue they hope to bring about and turns the condemnation upon themselves. I also will ask you one thing, he said. What if ye tell me, 
I, in likewise, will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, whence was it, from heaven or of men? The priests and rulers were perplexed. They reasoned with themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say unto us, Why did ye not then believe him? But if we shall say of men, we fear the people, for all hold John as a prophet. And they answered Jesus and said, We cannot tell. And he said unto them, Neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. We cannot tell. This answer was a falsehood. But the priests saw the position they were in and falsified in order to screen themselves. John the Baptist had come bearing witness of the one whose authority they were now questioning. He had pointed him out, saying, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. John 1 verse 29. He had baptized him, and after the baptism, as Christ was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Spirit of God, like a dove, rested upon him, while a voice from heaven was heard, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Matthew 3 verse 17. Remembering how John had repeated the prophecies concerning the Messiah, remembering the scene at the baptism of Jesus. The priests and rulers dared not say that John's baptism was from heaven. If they acknowledged John to be a prophet, as they believed him to be, how could they deny his testimony that Jesus of Nazareth was the Son of God? And they could not say that John's baptism was of men because of the people who believed John to be a prophet. So they said, We cannot tell. Then Christ gave the parable of the father and the two sons. When the father went to the first son, saying, Go work today in my vineyard, the son promptly answered, I will not. He refused to obey and gave himself up to wicked ways and associations, but afterward he repented and obeyed the call. The father went to the second son with the same command, Go work today in my vineyard. This son made reply, I go, sir, but he went not. In this parable, the father represents God, the vineyard, the church. By the two sons are represented two classes of people. The son who refused to obey the command, saying, I will not, represented those who were living in open transgression, who made no profession of piety, who openly refused to come under the yoke of restraint and obedience which the law of God imposes. But many of these afterward repented and obeyed the call of God. When the gospel came to them in the message of John the Baptist, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, they repented and confessed their sins. Matthew 3 verse 2. In the son who said, I go, sir, and went not, the character of the Pharisees was revealed. Like this son, the Jewish leaders were impenitent and self-sufficient. The religious life of the Jewish nation had become a pretense. When the law was proclaimed on Mount Sinai by the voice of God, all the people pledged themselves to obey. They said, I go, sir, but they went not. When Christ came in person to set before them the principles of the law, they rejected him. Christ had given the Jewish leaders of his day abundant evidences of his authority and divine power, but although they were convinced, they would not accept the evidence. Christ had shown them 
that they continued to disbelieve because they had not the spirit which leads to obedience. He had declared to them, Ye made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. In vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Matthew 15, verses 6 and 9. In the company before Christ, there were scribes and Pharisees, priests and rulers, and after giving the parable of the two sons, Christ addressed to his hearers the question, Whether of them twain did the will of his father? Forgetting themselves, the Pharisees answered the first. This they said without realizing that they were pronouncing sentence against themselves. Then there fell from Christ's lips the denunciation, Verily I say unto you, that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and ye believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him, and ye, when ye had seen it, repented not afterward that ye might believe him. John the Baptist came preaching truth, and by his preaching sinners were convicted and converted. These would go into the kingdom of heaven before the ones who in self-righteousness resisted the solemn warning. The publicans and harlots were ignorant, but these learned men knew the way of truth. Yet they refused to walk in the path which leads to the paradise of God. The truth that should have been to them a savour of life unto life became a savour of death unto death. Open sinners who loathed themselves had received baptism at the hands of John. But these teachers were hypocrites. Their own stubborn hearts were the obstacle to their receiving the truth. They resisted the conviction of the Spirit of God. They refused obedience to a God's commandments. Christ did not say to them, Ye cannot enter the kingdom of heaven, but he showed that the obstacle which prevented them from entering was of their own creating. The door was still open to these Jewish leaders. The invitation was still held out. Christ longed to see them convicted and converted. The priests and elders of Israel spent their lives in religious ceremonies, which they regarded as too sacred to be connected with secular business. Therefore, their lives were supposed to be wholly religious. But they performed their ceremonies to be seen by men that they might be thought by the world to be pious and devoted. While professing to obey, they refused to render obedience to God. They were not doers of the truth which they professed to teach. Christ declared John the Baptist to be one of the greatest of the prophets and he showed his hearers that they had sufficient evidence that John was a messenger from God. The words of the preacher in the wilderness were with power. He bore his message unflinchingly, rebuking the sins of priests and rulers, and enjoining upon them the works of the kingdom of heaven. Join us again next time as Clive Nash continues to read from the book Christ's Object Lessons, written by Ellen G. White.
you enjoy the short presentation on the history of the Reformation from lineagejourney.com. The 16th century was populated by some of the greatest minds in religious history. Luther, Calvin, Zwingli, Knox, Latimer, Ridley, Cramner. And sitting comfortably amongst this group of luminaries was William Tyndale, translator of the English Bible. Tyndale was born in Gloucestershire in 1494 in a small village called North Nibley, marked today by this monument overlooking the village. He was educated at Oxford and completed his BA in 1512 and his MA in 1515 before coming here to Cambridge University where he met Dutch scholar Erasmus who was teaching Greek. Tyndale wanted to translate the Bible into English but no one in England was willing to undertake such a daring task. Since 1408, the Oxford Commission had forbidden the translation of the Bible into the English language, even prohibiting its use in the training curriculum for preachers. Cochalius, a notorious papal theologian, had this perspective. The New Testament translated into the language of the people is in truth the food of death, the fuel of sin, the veil of malice, the pretext of false liberty, the protection of disobedience, the corruption of discipline, the depravity of morals, the termination of concord, the death of honesty, the wellspring of vices, the disease of virtue, the instigation of rebellion, the milk of pride, the nourishment of contempt, the death of peace, the destruction of charity, the enemy of unity, the murderer of truth. Immersed in such a climate, Tyndale encountered a learned friend who said, we were better without God's laws than the Pope's. To which Tyndale responded, I defy the Pope and all his laws. If God spare my life ere many years, I will cause a boy that driveth the plow shall know more of the scriptures than thou doest. Forbidden to work in England, Tyndale traveled through Europe from Hamburg to Cologne to Worms to Antwerp, using the Greek and Hebrew texts to craft a masterpiece of the English language. Time and time again, the papacy tried to stop his work, but the Lord watched over his servant. One account tells us how the Bishop of Durham, seeking to hinder his work, bought all his Bibles, but this merely provided him with the money he needed to produce a larger number of better quality Bibles. Tyndale contributed as much to the scholarship of English literature as Shakespeare and Chaucer, producing many of the translations of the Bible that we use today. In fact, much of the King James Bible produced 60 years later was taken almost verbatim from Tyndale's Bible. Phrases such as, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. O death, where is thy sting? And seek ye first. All these came from William Tyndale. Today, there are two remaining copies of Tyndale's Bible, one of which is here in the British Library, purchased for one million pounds and accessible to view free of charge. 
Sadly, Tyndale was betrayed by Henry Phillips in Antwerp, who feigned friendship in order to gain Tyndale's trust and betrayed him to guards as he was leaving his house. He was taken to a castle in Vilvorde, Belgium, condemned as a heretic, strangled and burned to death in 1536. His last words were, Lord, open the King of England's eyes. Within one year of his death, a Bible was placed in every parish church throughout the whole of England by order of the King. The poignant Christian song tells us, martyrs' blood stains each page. They have died for this faith. Hear them cry through the years. Oh, hear these words and hold them dear. The Word of God has come to us at such great cost. May we not treat it flippantly, haphazardly, but may we treasure it and commit to study and share God's Word each day. To view more episodes in this series on the Reformation, go to lineagejourney.com.